0: W-E-R-U. We are open to suggestions on future topics and guests for the show, so please feel free to contact us with your thoughts and ideas through our website, mofka.org. Well, the topic for today's show is homesteading here in Maine. Homesteading is typically viewed as a model of self sufficiency where homesteaders look to produce, create, or harness all or most of all the items or processes that are part of their daily lives. And most often, homesteaders are thought of people who live off the land and grow most of their own food. But it goes a lot further than food, where homesteaders are also producing their own heat, electricity, energy, shelter, water, and even community. Uh, Homesteading is also a political act. It's a lifestyle, and it's a statement, and it's a way of focusing on what is truly important and necessary in our lives. So I have a few guests here in the studio with me today. But before we get into introdu- introductions and discussion, uh, I'd like to make listeners aware of a few upcoming food and farming-related events that may, that you, uh, you may find of interest here in our community. So this weekend, on June 7th and 8th, is the 14th Annual Maine Fiber Frolic at the Windsor Fairgrounds in Windsor, and more information can be found at FiberFrolic.com. Uh, next weekend, on June 14th, is Farm and Homestead Day in Unity, which we might hear more about here today. <laughs> and uh, on the fifteenth, and kind of part of that weekend, is the Waldo County Open Space Fe- Festival, that is held mostly in Thorndike. Uh, and more information can be found at Waldo County Open Space, all one word. Dot Me. And then also June twentieth and twenty-first is Main Fair, held in and around Belfast. And that is a two-day event, and more information on that can be found at mainfarmlandtrust.org. And then lastly, I'd like to mention that uh, next month on the 4th of July weekend, the 4th through the 6th, is the 2014 Northeast Permaculture Convergence that is held in unity at Mofka's Common Ground Education Center. And more information on that can be found at northeastconvergence.wordpress.com. So after those few calendar events, uh, I'd like to introduce our guests that are here today. So joining me here in the studio is we have three guests today. And first, I'd like to introduce Betsy Gerald, who homesteads in Knox, Maine. And you may also know her as the Populist Farmer. So, uh, Betsy, thank you for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And then also we have Anna Lee Carter Sunquist, who is... Um, opposite me here on the table and she and her husband Dennis Carter own and operate the Deer Isle Hostel and Homestead which is in Deer Isle and Annalee is also the author of a recent book that she has put out called A Homesteader's Year on Deer Isle so Annalie thanks for being here thank you and then our third guest for the day today is Noah Dillard uh, Noah is here he homesteads in freedom on family land and um I'd like to thank Noah for being here as well. Thank you. Okay. So um what I'd like to do, I'd also let like to uh like to let callers know that probably around 1015, 10, 1020, 10, we will let we will open up the phone lines for any questions and comments. Uh so just so you're aware that you could be able to call in shortly. Um before we really get going to opening up the phone lines and get into questions and discussions. What I'd like to do is be able to give each of our guests a chance to uh, kind of introduce themselves a little bit more, say more than I just did briefly, um, but just get an idea of what it is that you do with uh, most of the time in your days (laughs) and maybe a little bit about why you choose to, to homestead here in Maine. So I think Betsy would like to jump in first
1: well i chose maine because i I, this is where i grew up and Uh i was out of the state and out of the country for a decade and then um as i told my friends in cleveland bought the farm and came back home to maine um thinking i was going to be a goat uh have a dairy goat farm and um, then got a job within my profession i was i was fortunate that i was a, a certified nurse midwife so i was making pretty good money and i could buy a pretty good chunk of land, uh-huh. and I did, and um, then continued in my profession until five years ago when I retired, and since then, I've been doing a little of this and a little of that, but uh, in the course of owning the land, I have refurbished an antique apple orchard that was on it. It's got some really nice old apples. Um, mm-hmm. I grow rootstock for Fedco. I keep bees. I have chickens when the foxes don't get them. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, Which has been a problem of late and um, you know grow a a lot of my own vegetables and and also um, I'm really involved in the activist farming community. I'm I'm uh, President of food for Maine's future So I'm very involved with uh, food sovereignty issues and go down to Augusta a lot and and it's nice to be able to um, Have my land support myself and have the time and the energy to do the activist work that means the most to me And so that's that's why I like um, my little homestead that supports me.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Uh, Annalee, how about you? Would you like to give a little bit about what you do down there on DR Isle?
2: Sure. Uh, me and my husband Dennis live in a 17-acre lawn. Uh, we run the hostel on the same land. Live in a small cabin year-round that is off the grid. We have solar power, and we heat and cook with wood that we... Get it ourselves. Um, We raise and store basically all of our own food throughout the year. Uh, We raise two pigs that we butcher and smoke ourselves.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, We have uh, sawmills. We make up our own lumber as building materials and we split and shape granite for foundations. And in the summer from late May till early September, we run the Deer Isle Hostel, seeing hundreds of travelers from all over the world by uh, sharing Some of what we got, the experience of living off the land with alternative energy and the gardens and all that. Um, And we have an educational program. So every year we offer lectures and workshops um, in topics related to what we do. We have an orcharding workshop and seed saving workshop, among others, coming up at the end of this season. And I guess the main reason for us doing what we do is that... We like to stay at home. We don't like to commute. We don't like to having to leave each other and our home every day.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense, for <clears throat> sure. sure. It seems like everybody wants to be right on their, their own land, right, <laughs> most of the time, if not all of the time. Um, Noah, yeah. so you are in Freedom, correct? Yep. And you're going to give us a little kind of picture of what happens on your homestead would be sure. great.
4: Well, I, I grew up in um Reedfield, kind of on the other side of the state, and like Betsy, I left home for, um, I suppose it was probably around a decade um, that I was away, and a lot of that time I spent um, living abroad in other countries, I, a lot of them sort of war-torn areas. I spent a year living in Gaza and Palestine and went from there. Um, Lived in Colombia for a number of years working with indigenous and campesino folks in resistance to the violence that's happening there. Um, Finally came back to the U.S. and I've done a lot of work with um, the Black Mesa, the grandmothers um, in Arizona who are the Navajo grandmothers who are fighting against Peabody coal, Mm -hmm. um, stealing their land and destroying their water supply out there um and so i but it, when i came back to the us from colombia i took my first permaculture course and realized um it I sort of had this epiphany i mean i'd spent so many years working abroad with communities struggling to be able to have the things that they need to stay alive being able to maintain their food mm-hmm. gardens and orchards and things without having military incursions destroy that and <clears throat> um you know, I realized living abroad that so much of war and occupation now, I mean, it's all about resources. And where we are here in the U.S., um, we, most of us, are fed by these feeding tubes of war and empire. We're fed <clears throat> from these wars all over the world. And, um, you know, I so I came into homesteading um, feeling like, if if i want to really be in solidarity with these communities that have given so much to me um you know i need to be disconnecting myself from these feeding tubes of empire um growing my own food building my own community and and um you know and really being very mindful of where my where my energy comes from um so i i um came back to live with my mom um in the woods i love being in the woods i um, spend a number of years you know, in, in academia thinking that I could get a PhD in biology, and that would get me further uh-huh. and further into the woods, and it just got me further and further into the laboratory, which yeah. didn't want to be there. So now, yeah, I spend pretty much my whole day outdoors and um, working in my garden, understanding that ecosystem, working mm-hmm. out in the woods, and just... Being really blessed from all the all the birds and and life that surround me there, um, spend time with my chickens and yeah. and yeah. yeah. So I, it's <coughs> Annalie
1: and I are, are nodding our heads vigorously <laughs> as he's that. talking about the political um, disconnect, you know, d- d- disconnecting ourselves and the political act that that is to yeah. to support ourselves and 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 produce our own foods. Um, the guy from South Central um, L.A. Garden says that uh, that growing your own food is the most political act that you can do, basically, and yeah. that's true. It's really true.
0: Yeah, there's lots of discussion out there where people say you can vote with your fork, but I guess you can also vote with your your seeds and your seedlings and yeah. your gardens at yeah. home as well. Um,
2: I think a lot of people don't see that with homesteading. They see homesteading as it's something for people that like the gardens and something for people that like nature. But I agree with both of you that homesteading is a a very strong political statement. If if even in the mildest form, because we don't go out on the streets, uh, we don't uh, do any kind of outreach like that, but it is a way to say no. We don't agree with what's happening out there. Mm-hmm. And this is our act
4: mm-hmm. yeah yeah in um in in palestine where I lived in gaza the um if you take a map of the aquifers that exist mm. there and a map of the israeli settlements there that's it's an exact overlay um you know it's it's very clearly the war that's going on there is very clearly a resource war for water um the wall that they're building there has annexed the the most fertile agricultural land for Palestine, the land that grows something like eighty percent of their food crops, yeah. mm-hmm. is now annexed by Israel. Yeah. This and and we're you know I mean Israel takes that water and bottles it and sells it. It's it goes into the the world commodities market. In in Colombia, um, these communities that where I've lived you know they don't they don't have access to clean drinking water they have to drink from the river which is highly polluted from um, I mean a lot of different things going on one of which is the spraying of the Monsanto pesticide glyphosate in Mm -hmm. this so-called war on drugs the war on drugs in Colombia is a war for agricultural land and resources and we are you know here in the U.S. a lot of those agricultural resources are shipped back here so when we grow our own food you know, we're saying, we're saying no, we're not going to be fed by these wars, this conflict that's destroying the lives of people in these other countries who are trying to live healthily.
1: When I yeah. spoke at yeah. the March Against Monsanto last week, and it's so funny that you should mention Palestine, because I talked about the Palestinians standing in front of their olive trees and how we need to yeah. stand in front of our apple trees. Sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is a very yeah. emotional subject for me. It yeah.
2: And it's even on a local level in the state of Maine that so much of the... Uh, land, uh, the potato farming land for example has been basically bought up by companies mm-hmm. out of state <laughs> I, you know, I live down in Deer Isle where most of the lobsters there's so many people setting out in the lobster boats every day and they're getting shipped right out of state mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and so it's it's both an international issue but also an issue in our state in our communities yes. and in our own backyard that we grow for us, not to have it sent mm-hmm. to someone else and a way to say no to how the dad commodity market works.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, um, I find it really interesting that homesteading is really you know, focused on your own property, your own land, but all these issues, they just spiral all around the world. So its mm-hmm. um, I think it's really interesting to, to hear how we may focus on one piece of land that we're living off of and sustaining ourselves or our family, but how it's really connected to the, uh, these other larger issues that are out there in the world. Um, and that's something that I'm glad we—it's come up right away because it's something good to kind of illuminate for folks yeah. that we're not just talking about some canning or some. Um, some freezing or food preservation. We're talking about kind of self-preservation as well.
1: Well, I knew Noah and I were political people, but obviously <laughs> <laughs> is of a like mind. So this is, this is great. This is a great discussion. And I, and I think part, an, another big piece of that, and I think it's, a politi- it's another piece of the political puzzle, is the community that builds up amongst homesteaders and, mm-hmm. the, and the sharing back and forth. Noah and I are doing a, a chicken spiral breeding project that he can explain much better than I can, I'm sure, <laughs> But um, uh, but also, you know, the, you mentioned the Farm and Homestead Days um, coming up on the 14th, and, and I'm on that committee, and, and that is a day that is is entirely about skill-sharing, about teaching each other how to be self-sufficient. If you go mm-hmm. to the MOFCA website and look at the schedule, you'll see that, you know, every single thing is a hands-on workshop. I mean, Common Ground Fair is... My favorite time of the year—it's like Christmas for me. I love Common <laughs> Ground here, but Farm and Homestead Days is different in that it truly is. You know, you're not going to sit there and get lectured to. We don't let our presenters use PowerPoints. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're yeah. going to have to get in and scrape the beehives with me because that's you know that's the workshop that I'm doing Definitely. is how to clean your your beehives and so uh, you know and I think that sharing is so important, like Lee does with her education down down where she is and and uh, and just bringing more people in and teaching them how to take care of themselves and how to take care of their land is is mm-hmm. uh, is you know, again, yeah again another
4: political act. Yeah. It's I mean I think that's a really important thing to stress. Um our I mean I I feel like Waldo County is sort of a, a beacon a, a light out there in in a you know in a pretty dark situation across the US as far as community is concerned. Um, we have a lot of work to do growing our communities and strengthening them. And it, I mean, tying back into the political situation around the world, I, you know, the one of the reason why um, the communities in Colombia are so resilient um, has to do with the fact that their communities are so strong. They have really powerful community organizers who <coughs> Without access to electricity, to vehicles that drive, they walk miles and miles around Mm -hmm. the jungle organizing their people and and teaching and sharing. I mean, they they call them mingas, this indigenous word for basically community work parties that are also very much about political education. Um, You know, in Palestine, it's... it's it can't be stressed enough. I mean, one of the war, one of the tools of the Israeli occupation there is to destroy the communities. These, after incursions into neighborhoods, um, they'll find um, drugs left behind in in the communities, which is very you know it's very frowned upon in in Palestinian community. But they're leaving these drugs for in order to destroy the communities that's what everybody says the family units there are so strong that um i mean that's that's one of the most powerful tools of resistance there to that occupation is how strong these communities are and when i see that and then compare that here Mm -hmm. you know um the sort of Repressive policies that are really coming to the forefront now,
1: and are trying to divide and conquer. I mean, I talk about That's this a lot is, in my yeah. political work. Is that we're you know when I go and do a, um, when I go and speak t- to a group about <clears throat> food sovereignty is I'm the most liberal person in the room. A lot of the people in the room are 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 very conservative mm-hmm. right wing types, but we've found a, a a common ground in that, and that's and that 's so important is that we the ninety nine percent don 't allow the divide and conquer mentality to take over that yeah. we that we form communities that we <clears throat> that we teach each other and share with each other and in and each ignore other. and ignore the the minor minor differences so
2: yeah. one one of the reasons or goals with our hostel ever since we opened has been to invite uh, maybe previously uninitiated person (laughs) that people that not necessarily... We, of course, we get a lot of people that are interested in farming and outdoors and environmental concerns, but we also get a lot of so-called city dwellers, people that have never really left their realm of... Uh, urban areas Mm -hmm. that have never seen anything like our place before and it's really a very easy stepping stone Mm. it's comfortable and they feel safe and it's uh, everything is all right (laughs) (laughs) but it's still a way to see something that they have never been exposed to before and for us maybe that is when at the end of the day we can really appreciate all the hard work mm. that has gone into our place is when we can open the eyes of someone that has never really even mm. thought about these things before and we can see that something happened they might not go home and homestead but something happened <laughs>
4: and it's a start it. yeah they yeah. might
1: plant a yeah. tomato plant on their patio and or that something. is great
4: <laughs> well that's how i started yeah I mean, planting tomatoes, yeah, tomatoes sure, in in sure. buckets and it, you know yeah
1: I, yeah, when I was living in a Cleveland suburb, um, I, that's my, I tore up my whole front yard and made a garden. My neighbors weren't real thrilled with me, but, you know. It's,
0: so it's those, those little things that kind of get the ball rolling. Um, you
2: never know what little yeah. thing is going to get the ball rolling. Yeah. It might be the tomato plant. It might be our outdoor shower. It might be something we said. Yep. It's just, you know, we have what we have, and people leave with whatever... They leave with. They leave
0: with what yeah. they find is yeah. is interesting. Um, well, I just want to take a minute to remind our listeners that we're tuned in to WERU, and this is Common Ground Radio, an hour of food and farming discussions. And this week we're talking about homesteading, kind of focusing here in Maine, but we've already kind of traveled a bit <laughs> of the globe, it seems, um, in the broader discussion. But joining me here today in the studio are Betsy Gerald from Knox and Anna Lee carter Sunquist from the Deer Isle Hostel and Homestead and Noah Dillard from his Homestead in Freedom. Um, I'd like to let callers know that we would be able to open up the lines now for phone calls. So the toll-free number to call in here to the studio with any questions or comments is 1-866-625-9378. And I will repeat that one more time at 1-866-625-9378. Um, so I want to jump back to that kind of got the ball rolling kind of question and, just, and um, you've each kind of explained how you came to, you know, be in the situation that you're in and maybe those political forces, social forces in the world um, that helped steer you in that direction. but. And we've also talked about community. But what I'd also like to be able to bring up a little bit of is kind of how do you, you know, you had that, whatever that first tomato plant is or the first <laughs> beehive, um, but how do you continue to acquire these skills or learn the next step in the process? And I would imagine there's a lot of learning, trial and error a little a little bit, learning from family, but how do you really kind of get out there and see... You know what is yeah. someone else doing, or how how am I going to clean that beehive?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we're so fortunate in Maine to, I'm you know, I'm going to plug MAFCA again because <laughs> uh, because, I mean, and other states around the country look to Mofka and the internship program they have and the journeyman program, and so there's a lot of skill sharing that happens there, but there's also just a tremendous amount of informal skill sharing that, like, you know noah and i work at fedco together and we you know over lunch decided we were going to try this spiral chicken breeding project and so you know we're i'm being the broody hen and he he supplied the <laughs> eggs and and so you know there's a there's so much of that kind of thing going on and the farm and homestead days is another great place that you know look at the schedule and just and just see what if there's something that you really want to learn you know we may be teaching it that day and if there's and if you're in touch with the community around you, there's you can always find someone that knows how to do what you want to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's... Yeah. it's, it's uh,
0: so there's a good sense and that's another thing to ask and still kind of how you gain these skills here but the sense of community being really focused on your own land but also b- still being able to get out and meet other folks uh, like-minded folks or trying to touch on people that maybe aren't as well informed as you are and Maybe steer their life in a, in a little mm. bit different of a direction, I yeah. would say.
4: Yeah, I've spent a
1: lot of time going around and <clears throat> showing people how to do bee beekeeping because uh-huh. that's you know that's a skill that I have, and people are very interested in it because everyone's so concerned about the pollinators these days.
4: So, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I wanted to jump in, um, w- Anna Lee, when you were talking about the um, sort of the homestead hostile situation and people coming in and and seeing. You know, seeing it all going on, I think I feel like that is really important. I, I think I getting into a little bit of the spiritual side of things, um, if I dare. I feel like humans <laughs> are well, done <laughs> politics already. <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> um, but I feel like humans are these magical creatures that um, we have the ability to relate. Personally, deeply to whatever it is that we see and Anna Lee you're talking about these city folks coming in who may have never seen a garden potentially or you know at least haven't been exposed in, in large deep in you know to great extent people growing all of their own food but when I mean you know Folks in the city, I feel like are so surrounded by advertising and all you know just these things that define life in a certain way for them when we see that first tomato plant and realize well, I can do that mm-hmm. it's it's really powerful I mean you know my it's been a long journey for me um in in college. I think I started my first vermicomposting bin. I, I lived in Kalamazoo, where the sort of the the grandmother of vermicomposting is from, uh-huh. uh, Mary Applehoff. She sort of wrote that foundational book, "Worms Eat My Garbage." Very good book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I started I started composting with worms in my kitchen because I was like, that's a really cool idea. I didn't I wasn't growing any plants, but then suddenly I started having all this compost. Worm castings, and I was like, I could grow plants. Mm. So I started growing them in buckets, and I was like, Well, this is fun. And one thing led to another, and you know, harvesting my own rainwater and and doing all these things you can do in the city, um, really opened my eyes. And then, you know, later on when I moved back to Maine, I was like, Whoa, there's land and it's forest, a lot and, yeah. and, and there's a yeah. little more yeah. space to work with. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. But I mean, at my own place, you know, it it is. I. You can't jump into this um, thinking, I'm going to take care of everything all by myself right now. I, I think homesteading is is not about self-sufficiency so much as it is about community sufficiency, um, you know, and, and taking care of each other because it's our neighbors who have these skills that, that we need to learn um, and, you know, they're found in books as well, but it's a lot easier to learn from somebody who's actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. And as we learn these skills, making them available and teaching them through these you know, community gatherings and uh-huh. or just having folks over or having a hostel at your place, that's <laughs> a really cool way to spread the propaganda. And it's,
2: uh, I think all of us doing this has a responsibility of sharing what we know mm, Yeah to us the hostel is not just a business idea or a way to share what we have i see it as our responsibility so we have this place set up we have it going and if it was only for us it's like it'd be only half yeah Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah
2: yeah that's
5: true
0: so that brings up uh so that's really part of it is getting the people in that's more community piece i think it's a very uh just try to dispel the myth that maybe the homesteader is the recluse in the woods that you exactly. might never see yeah, but you know yeah.
1: Yeah. they're and out li- there among all of us i like the pro <laughs> i like pro- did you say propaganda no i, use, use the propaganda. I love that i mean it, it is me. it's pro- it's, a, it's 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 a revolution it's when i talk about food sovereignty i talk about it as the next great civil rights battle the right to eat whatever you darn well please thank i thank you remember i'm on radio um <laughs> <laughs> when I make speeches, I use much more fiery language. Um, but yeah, it's 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 the right to have our seeds be safe and the right to produce our own food and not have anyone coming in and telling us what we can and can't make and what we can and can't eat and and you know it it's it's and sh- and and the right to gather people and te- together and teach them the skills that we have. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that that is a shift that's
2: happening. Uh, in the general sense, how people think of homesteading, that it's not just something from the 70s that hippies did. as like a way to figuring out what they were going to do when they cut their hair and got a job. But <laughs> homesteading for us, and I think that's the shift that's happening, is that people start to acknowledge that as a way of living as a viable, sensible lifestyle that is not just a face, that is something that's gonna be done in our lives and in generations to come.
1: And I think that uh, something that you said was really important, you said it was comfortable, that the hostel is comfortable. And I think that's the other misconception that people have about us dirty old hippies that are back in the woods doing <laughs> homesteading. And I just promise you, everybody in this room showered today. I know they did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but was it a know, communal shower? Yeah, no, no. That, well,
3: <laughs> maybe it was a sun No, the sun hasn't been out
1: for a few days. But, but you know, the, the, I've lost my train of thought now. But, <laughs> but it, it is, it is a comfortable way of life. I sit in my little house that I built, and I think this is the coolest house in the world. This is, I love this house. It's comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's you know, all the systems function. I, I'm not, I'm not living a deprived life, by any stretch of the imagination if you Mm -hmm. just ate one of my eggs you would know (laughs) of course
2: all of us are uh, I assume approached by people it's like the one most frequently comment we get you guys just work so hard And I'm thinking, but you're the one that sits in your car two hours every day, and then you sit in an office eight hours every day, and then you go home and you still have to do your dishes and your laundry and all that, that I got done by noon and took the rest of the day off, sure. (laughs) Because that's the schedule I can set for myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah there's a lot of freedom in there as well and
1: that's that's sure. the key right there yeah and, and i mean i do i do a lot of writing on my blog and, and Lee has written a book so that you know that kind of free time to, that gives us the ability to be not only politically active but also to to uh, to honor our our creative sides and mm-hmm. to have the hours that it takes to sit down and put the words on paper and or the paint on the canvas or whatever it is and so
0: where could some listeners find that blog if they were oh, interested in they could seeing what more you have to say <laughs> yeah
1: it's a, it's a blog about politics and agriculture or the politics of agriculture it's called the populist farmer and it's on wordpress you can okay. google it okay. it should pop right up at the top of your google search i think <laughs> so
0: all right and i'll also mention that annalee's book is titled a homesteader's year on deer isle yes so you can learn more there as well
2: and it can be ordered through our website there
0: fantastic so so we talked about the comfort and the homes and all that. I'd like to know, is everybody is everybody living and working in places that they've created from scratch or from bare land or taking over from a previous homesteader? Um, Noah, you want to sure. you yeah. describe your scenario?
4: Yeah. Um, well, about five years ago, um, I had just come back to Maine and was trying to figure out where to land. I'd been living with friends and other homesteaders in the state when my folks invited me to to build a place there, so I jumped on that. Um, it was a really generous offer, and yeah, we picked out a scrubby patch of thicket in the woods um, that was too thick even for the deer to walk through and looked really ugly, and I was like, "Nah, I guess... Guess guess this is going to be fine to build right here. I didn't really know what I was (laughs) doing. But when I started, I started clearing the land in in March and um, just, you know, taking out these dead, tiny fir trees that were growing six inches apart from each other and realizing, ah, this slope of the land looks really, actually, is really pretty here. And um, so, yeah, I used the lumber that came down there. We hired a sawmill. You know, mm-hmm. one of these folks with the the portable Thompson Mill came in and um started sawing up the lumber and started building my house with that. Yeah. And um yeah, bit by bit, I mean it's the house and now a little chicken coop and mm-hmm. um another little guest cabin on the way and Storage sheds here and there, mm-hmm. and I was
1: there the other day. Talk about pouring your your uh, root cellar. That was a very
4: cool thing. Oh, that was a community yeah. event. That sure was. Yeah, a good thing. Yeah, I um, had a lot of work parties building mm-hmm. my house, and um, yeah, when we were making my root cellar sure needed the community around for that yeah. cuz it was a near disaster with having the walls cave in but <laughs> they didn't but it we worked saved it. <laughs> it's a beautiful root cellar and my potatoes down there have uh-huh. not sprouted yet wow. since uh you know I dug them last last, last fall. fall and they'll be coming out and I'll be planting them mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks here
0: yeah yeah it's great i think there's more there's more and more community every time we we talk about it here isn't there yeah mm-hmm. Um, Annalie, how about your place? You mentioned you live in a cabin, but is the hostel a separate uh, separate yeah. building?
2: The hostel is a separate building, set on the sa- in the same clearing. Uh, Dennis came here in the early 2000s, and it was uh, nothing. It was basically the same scenario as you described. Uh, part of our cabin was there. There was no power, no phone. Uh, where one of our garden is, it was the driveway. Mm-hmm. And... Tree by tree, we first him and then us together have just carved out about an acre clearing. Mm -hmm. Um, He built the hostel house is a 17th century inspired timber frame uh, that he built from the granite foundation up uh, using no heavy machinery at all. And our one main garden still had standing trees in it when I came in 2008. That work has also been done only using hand tools. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, we have put in our fair share of uh, labor. Um, But it's also um, a sign to me and something that I'd really like to encourage out of it is you don't have to look for the perfect farm. If you find a perfect farm with like the nice, picturesque garden, it's either not for sale or you're not going to afford it. Mm-hmm. Just go out and look for an abandoned old woodland somewhere and you can do it.
3: Mm-hmm. If you
2: honor the time it takes, it's going to be perfectly fine.
1: That's a great point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I think that comes up in some of the other work I do with Mofka, orcharding talks and things. There's always the ideal, but you just have what you have and you have to make it work. Yeah. So get the concepts and get the processes and make it fit to your land for sure. How about your well,
1: place? i was That's I right. was lucky i was um I was a rich nurse midwife <laughs> and, I, um, and I decided I wanted to buy land in maine and came back and looked um looked at a lot of places and found this fifty acres in Knox that when I stood at the top of the hill and looked out across, I just knew that mm-hmm. I was home and it had it it was a a, it was a former farm it had been farmed in into the 1960s and then had been lost for taxes so there was an old um homestead site on a a, a, there's still a cellar hole from where the farm house was and and where the barn was but i'm there was also a a cement pad down near the road and i decided to build on that what Mm -hmm. i thought was going to be my temporary home but looks like I'm going to die there. That's okay. It's a nice house. And I'm really fortunate. I'm the oldest of 24 cousins, most of whom still live in Waldo County. So when I went to build my house, it was a, it was a family affair. And, yeah. and my family really helped me. And um, I have one cousin who's a general contractor. And, mm-hmm. and my ex-brother-in-law helped. And so, you know, it was a community, but it was a, it was a family community, which was, which was really nice. And, and uh, built this snug little 26 by 29 house. Mm-hmm. right down near 139 and have yep. been living in it ever since so great
0: great i will say that i agree the community thing just keeps on popping up here yeah. i think it's um i think it's a wonderful theme that everyone should be aware of uh but also um i'd like to remind callers we're still or listeners that we'll take some calls don't be shy the number is 1-866-625-9378 and I also want to remind everybody that you are tuned into WERU, and this is Common Ground Radio, and it's an hour of food and farming discussions, and this week we're talking about homesteading. And um, my guests here in the studio today are Betsy Gerald from Knox, Anna Lee Carter Sunquist from the Deer Isle Hostel in Homestead, and Noah Dillard from Freedom. Um, so one other thing, or I shouldn't say one other thing, but... When we talked about sharing these skills, uh, and you mentioned an event that's coming up right. very
1: soon, right? The fourteenth.
0: The fourteenth. At
1: at at Common Ground at the at the Moffa, um Educational Center, right in Unity. It's from nine to three. It's um, like I said, you can go and look at the schedule on the website. But it's got we're going to do blacksmithing, and we're going to they're going to um, There's orcharding workshops, which. Um, about pest management and, those, and, right? and food and fruit thinning and um, understory management we 're going to be building garden carts we 're going to build a bike trailer we 're going to build coffins. Mm-hmm. Um, I am doing three workshops about beekeeping we 're going to clean a hive and then we 're going to assemble a hive and then i 'm going to talk about um, hi. Something that I still struggle with I've been a beekeeper for almost 10 years now and I still have a hard time lighting my smoker So we're going to yeah. spend an hour <laughs> talking about good, you know Good ways to light your smoker and good things to burn in it. And um, All right. well, it oh, looks like
0: we have a caller So oh, let's get great.
6: The,
0: the caller in here So caller if you could go ahead and give us your name and the town you're calling from and then your uh, question or comment
6: Yeah, hi it's David. I'm calling from Brooklyn. Hi David. Uh, Hi, I I just wanted to call and say how uh, inspired I am by the kind of work you folks are doing. Uh, And uh, sort of also in awe of it, uh, my situation right now is, is typical, I think, of a a lot of other folks in the world which is that I can't even listen anymore because I can't find my headphones and I have to go do some work at the place where there's no radio. And, you know, it's like you guys are so pure in what you're doing. (laughs) It probably doesn't feel that way to you. (laughs) To listen to it, you know, coming over the airwaves, it's like oh my, you know, I I, I only wish if I had my life to do over again. I mean, you know, it's it's so, so beautiful what you guys are doing. And I just wanted to to offer that, you know, if there's other folks like me out here in Radio Land, not hopefully to be too discouraged by our mm. partial our partial attempts at uh, homesteading and self-sufficiency, because uh, it's a it's a very uh, 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 broadband uh, participation uh, area, I think, and I. And just, uh, I know myself, I've frequently been daunted by the, 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 space of the size of the gap between where I am and where, where I, I might be if, if I were had my ducks more in a row or whatever. Mm. Uh, and, uh. So I'm, I'm just really, I, I just wanted to call in and say, you know, to you guys, congratulations. And to anybody else who might be more like in my situation, you know, don't despair, because it really is, you know, especially from, you know, I, I went to Nicaragua once, uh, I guest of the Sandinistas, and, and I I came back with a British woman on the airplane. She was my teammate. She br- was bringing her family back from Nicaragua after having lived there for three or four years, you know, trying to participate in the revolution. And, and uh, she said uh, what she was bringing back with her was the, the message from the from the Nicaraguans, what are you doing down here, mm-hmm. you know? You belong back in your country yeah. doing yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. You don't belong down here watching us, you know. You go home and do it your way, you know, but but do what we're doing as best you can. And, I, you know, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. All
0: right, David. Well, thank you very much for yeah. your call, I, sure. I think we're, that was nice to hear. You, you guys are
1: we're not are that respiring. pure. Don't get discouraged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I mean, uh, it, I know Noah and I both have off farm incomes, so mm-hmm. it's it's like you know we're not totally supporting ourselves this way. We're doing the the pieces that we can, and you should do the pieces that you you can too. Uh, I get a render. So okay. Mm-hmm.
4: All right. Yeah. I mean, I I think um, I I there's no kidding myself about my own purity i drive a car and i live in this society i mean you you know we're 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 here in this air in in this part of the world that receives as i said earlier i mean all i mean so much of what runs our society um is powered by by war and empire and i mean honestly if if um if that were all to collapse now it it would be a struggle for for everyone i i feel like the the steps that we take you know i mean i i don't don't get discouraged david i i guess is is the thing i mean i i would hear what you're saying and i resonate with pretty much everything that you're saying i look around at my life and i'm like man i there's a lot more that i could be doing and and but if if i just if i spend my time thinking about all the things that i'm not doing um, you know it does get discouraging i i feel like i continue needing to say okay you know this year i'm focusing on learning about this and um, i'm going to get some products from that that are going to feed me later on in life and mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to get everything done this year that I want to get done, and it's
1: like snipping little threads. Yeah, just you know, we're all connected, 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 One step and at you a time. S- and you snip the ones that aren't feeding you and nurturing your soul, and you hang on to the ones that are, and you yeah. just have to carefully s- pick the threads you're snipping.
4: Yeah, so. and the, um, I mean, he David mentioned the the Sandinistas, and you know what what the Zapatistas uh, more more in, in my life. Have, have been saying is that we need to first begin with um, liberating ourselves, creating our own personal autonomous zone once we are liberated, and that takes a long time, then we can start reaching out to others and help in their liberation. Once we have a community, that community can start reaching out to other communities. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the way we need to think of it. Definitely. Well, it looks like we have another call, so caller, if you can
0: go ahead and give us your name and the town from where you're calling and your comment or question.
5: I am Nancy, and I live in Unity right next to Mopka's Common Ground.
0: Hello, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. <laughs> yes, I
3: have
5: two, two comments. One is that um, everybody can't have lots of land out in the country to build their homestead, but that doesn't mean that they can't be a homesteader. There's lots of lots of people doing urban homesteading even in high-rise apartment buildings
3: mm-hmm.
5: and the second one is that there are MAFCA chapters in in several counties in maine and the mofka chapters are a great resource for learning mm-hmm. um different skills and sharing amongst your neighbors there's a new chapter in Penobscot County and another new one in Piscatoquist County, one in Waldo County, and one in Sagalhawk. So
2: that's all. (laughs) Thanks, Nancy. Okay,
0: Nancy, thanks for calling in. Bye-bye.
2: And I I would like to add a comment that ties mostly with what David from Brooklyn said, that every little bit counts. We're, of course, also often approached by people that kind of compare their situation with our situation and that is is it, it's not even worth doing in the sense that there's other people doing more than what we're doing there's always going to be someone ahead of you and behind mm-hmm. of you sure. and how how, sure. how are you going to measure that like what uh, what what numbers or figures are you going to put to measure who does the most we all do what we can every tomato plant counts. <laughs>
0: yeah. it looks like we have another caller as well so caller if you could go ahead and give us your name and the town from where you're calling
3: hi this is kate calling in from belfast
0: hello kate, hi, kate.
3: hey um i had two things um i spent some time in colombia as well so that set off my radar and i was wondering if uh, it's noah right yeah if you could talk a little bit about palm oil, because that was an eye opener for me when mm. I was doing research. When I got home, there was obvious displacement around oil, but yeah. not the palm oil. <laughs> Most people don't put that, don't connect those two things, and it's so ubiquitous now in, uh, in processed in,
5: foods. Yeah. And so, you
3: know, yet another thing we need to be concerned about when we're purchasing. And then also, um, I was looking on the. Uh, dear hostel uh, site to, to check out the book. all right. <laughs> right thank you it looks terrific and i've asked our local library to bring it in because there there's no copies yet in the main library system but um i was wondering if you would tell uh, the rest of the listeners about your upcoming talks uh, your book talks because sure. i think people would like to attend that sure thank i'm gonna you. hang up now
0: okay thank Thanks, you Kate. Thanks, Kate. i think maybe noah if you want to give a a qu- yeah. A quick one on the palm oil. Yeah, just palm selling.
4: oil. It's, it's an ingredient um, we see in a lot of health food stores coming up. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, a lot of um, fake butter is used with it, or it's used as to thicken and smooth peanut butter. It's used in a lot of products. And, and uh, what's going on in Colombia, briefly, is um, mostly the, the Afro-Colombian populations in the southwestern portion of Colombia on the Pacific coast are, um, being forced off their land by paramilitaries. Um, and, you know, these are subsistence farmers who are being forced to stop living the kind of lives that, that we're talking about here. Um, and, um, paramilitary sympathizers are moved onto the land. The, all the trees are cleared and, um, they're growing, um, these monocrop plantations of palm oil. The, the palm oil is grown down there in, in on subsistence farms. It's it's healthy and um, it's easy to process, easy to get the oil from. But um, it's a huge nutrient drain and water drain in the land um so it's really sucking up the aquifers and sucking up the nutrients and making really poor soil for, and and it's not feeding the people of those communities mm-hmm. the the point that's it's transnational corporations who are coming in who are behind the paramilitary incursions um and you know mm-hmm. growing growing these crops that don't have anything to do with the people's livelihood there
0: and they're the ones that are reaping the benefits and they're getting um, all
4: the money from it and yeah it
0: yeah. yeah. uh, looks like we have another caller but um after that c- call we'll get to answer the question for Mm annalee's talks real quick um but go ahead caller and uh give us please give us your name and the town from where you're calling and what your comment or question is
7: hi um my name is margaret i'm calling from orland and um a couple of comments one of them was about uh some discussion earlier in the in the program about how you know easy it is to do this and how you have all this time and everything but that doesn't conform with a lot of stories I've heard over the years. I'm 81 years old, and I've been around a while. Um, and I've followed all this stuff from the nearings on. And um, so many people have, you know, thought that the nearings had the answer, and then they tried to do it, and, and, the, and they destroyed their lives, uh, and destroyed their marriages, and couldn't make a go of it, and, and really worked hard. Um so I I don't know it's um, it's it's a conundrum to me, uh, and I don't know that you all have the answers. I don't think you have time to even deal with it right now in this program. But um, I've uh, been fortunate having a little inheritance, and I bought a place in Orland, and and I've got a great big garden in the backyard, and um, and every time I'm bending over or stretching to reach something or doing some impossible thing. I say to myself, "Hey, I'm doing pretty good for an 81 year old, and I don't <laughs> have to. And I don't have to pay money to go to an exercise yeah, right. place.
3: Yeah. Right.
7: Yeah. I'm doing it naturally, and I'm um, benefiting from the work that is being done. At the same time, I'm, I'm, you know, using my body and maintaining it. Right. So I just want to put that in there, mm-hmm. um, and I just like to drop a little fun thing that I discovered in the, my backyard. I've been collecting coffee grounds from a place." that uh, produces a, a lot of, uh, you know, cups of coffee, they let me pick up their coffee grounds. I've been dumping them in a pile so I can put them in my compost in a careful way. And I discovered last fall that the pile was blooming with oyster mushrooms. Oh. And um, and so there's a mycelium in there that has been growing and it's kept producing. If I keep it damp and I'm, I'm giving out chunks of this stuff to anybody who wants to try to do it um so anyway that's something that you might think keep in mind that don't uh, yeah. go collect those yeah. coffee mm-hmm. grounds
1: mm-hmm. I I like coffee too yeah and I, I just it, want to quickly say the nearings did it because they were both writers and lecturers and that's how they made their money and that segues nicely into it penalty telling us about her. <laughs> now,
7: but they also had lots of volunteers. Yes, I was yeah. one of them. I spent a whole day picking blueberries <laughs> right. there their cash uh-huh. Crop. And you that's really said. They had a, a labor force there because yeah. a lot of they people were huge, drawn to it. So. yes. yes. Yeah. And they weren't and they weren't raising kids and I have four kids and they're I'm now a, gr- a great-grandmother and uh I don't think I could have done it uh, and made
0: a living. <laughs> well, Margaret, we'd like to thank you for giving a call in, and Anna Lee had a comment she wanted to, um, wanted to say. We're getting kind of towards the end of the show here but definitely thank you for your call. Uh,
2: A a quick comment on that call is that in terms of no not everyone has time to homestead not everyone has the financial means Uh, for me and Dennis it has been a long process where we have lived extremely frugally we have turned every dollar so we could spend our time improving our land instead of going out and making the money Mm -hmm. so looked on a longer scale, I think it's a lot about strategy and about the book talks. uh, I'm happy to supply any library with a free copy of my book. Uh, They're already in the library in Stonington, Deer Isle and Blue Hill. Um, I have a number of book talks. The first one in Deer Isle on the 23rd of June and in Blue Hill Library on the 28th of July. Uh, The schedule... And a list of retailers can be found on our website, which is com. All right,
0: great, great. And I was wondering, um, Betsy, could you give out a couple details for the farm and homestead day? Sure. That's come up a few times. Yeah,
1: it's on the 14th um, at the Mofka Fairgrounds. It's from 9 to 3. Um, Come prepared to participate. Um, And... The schedule you can find if you go to the MAFCA website, um, which is mafca.org. Um, there's a, there'll be a link to the schedule, and the, we finalized the schedule yesterday, so the finalized schedule should be up in the next day or so, and you can look and um, and see what you would like to come learn about.
0: And a great way to to share skills and learn skills. Yes. Um, I'd also like to mention that on that day, um, or over this past winter. We lost a good friend and co-worker at Mofka, Joe Dupree, and he was very instrumental in uh, helping organize the this event the past couple of years. So, um, and we're having it's not a, too much. I believe there's something in memory of him that's happening. On we're that having day. the
1: Joe Dupree Skillshare there, there at, at, at in memory of Joe, and that was a tragic loss um, to the to the entire um, Mofka community, and especially to the Farm and Homestead Days um, organizers. And so. Um, Joe was really into firewood, talking about providing your own energy. Um, and so the two things that we're doing, we're doing a workshop about bucking up firewood using hand saws, and then the, in the afternoon, they'll be uh, In Memory of Joe uh, tool sharpening workshop. So both of those are actually uh, Joe Dupree Memorial uh, mm-hmm. skill sharings.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, well, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I think it's been great to have you guys here in the studio today. And... Um, I'm really glad that we got to talk more about broader community, social, political issues and actions that are involved with, uh, with homesteaders and things that, that are really kind of helping to drive your life focusing more on your land, but also sharing with, um, with, with any, anybody, really.
1: Correct? Yes. I mean, you
0: did yep. show someone how to start a smoker if they came up to you on the street. That's
1: the thing is that because <clears throat> we have the time and because we are, our, I think our stress is lower, We're, the, you'll find a lot of people that are very, very, very generous in sharing whatever time and skills that they have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, as we just have a couple minutes left here. I um, just want to remind listeners that you've been listening to Common Ground Radio with our guests, uh, Betsy Gerald, Anna Lee Carter-Sundquist, and Noah Dillard. And please um, remember to tune in to Common Ground Radio the first Friday of every month here on WERU at 10 a.m. And uh, next month will be a pre-recorded show due to the Fourth of July holiday, but that's a fantastic show on permaculture as a design system. So don't miss that one at all. Uh, I'd like to thank Amy Brown for engineering the show today. And again, another big thanks to our guests here in the studio. And thank you so much to all the callers that called in. and made it a wonderful hour. Thank you. Support for WERU comes from the Hamden Farmers Market, providing local, farm-fresh vegetables, beer and wine, artisanal cheeses, grass-fed
7: meats, cut